This is the Ruck Infringement Podcast with Joey Alchin. Legends, welcome back to another episode of the Ruck Infringement Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joey. And this week, it's a small cast today, but I'm joined by two of my best mates. We got Reese, Boxy Door. How are you, buddy? Very good, Joey. How are you doing, big fella? I'm good, mate. And Luke, the stats man, Phillips. How are you, my man? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Having a good week. Great to hear. Great to hear. All right, let's get straight into it today. First thing we want to say is happy Easter to all the listeners out there. I uh, hope it was really great for you. I hope you ended up in a chocolate coma. I know I did. And my child is now never allowed chocolate for the rest of his life because he was hypo. All right, let's get straight into uh, cricket update. The IPL has been on, so we just want to go through a little bit of cricket. Mookie, take us through it, mate. Mate, the IPL is off chops this year. Let me just pull it up. We've got the Lucknow Super Giants sitting on top of the leader ladder, sorry, closely followed by the Rajasthan Royals. And the team that I've been looking out for, the Kolkata Knights, they're sitting in third. They managed to pull off a 204 run chase the other night. Wow. They needed 30 they needed 29 off the last over. And Rinku Singh hit five sixes in a row to win the game. I saw that. Wow. That was unbelievable, isn't it? He ended up with 48 runs not out off 21 deliveries. Wow. It's not a bad spell. Not a bad spell (laughs) at all. Not bad at all. Um, I just want to say, Lukey, I saw that Davey Warner's hit a bit of form, which is great to see. Yeah, well, too bad he can't do it in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to miss it. Good to see Warner get a centra, half century there. Sorry, so yeah, it's it's been great. I haven't watched too many games. I need to get back into it. Haven't haven't been watching it, mate. But I just get I just get the updates because you know got cricket all through my phone. So yeah, yeah I've just been just been checking the scores here and there. It, it it seems to be that there's some tight games. Uh the the Giants beat um the Sunrisers by six runs. Like they're they're very close. There was one one knockout run. Kolkata beat um the Royal Challengers Bangalore by eighty one runs the other night. Yeah, right. Um, so there's a couple of tight games. There's a couple of blowouts, but it doesn't matter what all, sport what sport you watch. You you always want to see it tight. It's always nice when oh, it's close. Yeah, there's been a been a few few blowouts and then a few really tight ones. Yeah, I mean we always love a bit of cricket, especially on this pod. So thank mm-hmm. you for the update. Let's get to some rugby league action. We just finished round six. Let's dissect it a little bit. We go all the way back to Thursday night. Melbourne Storm against my mighty Chookies weren't so mighty in this game. Storm getting it done 28 to 8. Melbourne sort of had this game from the outset, even though it was level at one point. Uh, they just, Melbourne in Melbourne are hard to beat. Melbourne in Melbourne is such a big prospect. It's, there's a few clubs like that where when they play at home, you just know that you're not going to win. It's Melbourne in Melbourne. Usually Canberra at GIO are really strong and probably the Warriors at Mount Smart. I reckon are probably the three biggest where you go there and it's a tough ask. And the Roosters just weren't on their game in this one. Melbourne, Cameron Munster all over them. Xavier Coates bagging a hat trick. Reese, we all tipped the chook. So sad there, but great effort from Melbourne. Yeah, mate. Like you said, the Melbourne at home, are, it's one of the toughest tasks. And you could almost say in most sports, 
You know, they're just such a strong team, strong club, strong foundations. But, you know, Xavier Coates was a, pretty much the difference in the game. You take him out, it was a lot closer than what anyone thought. So, you know, getting in a hat trick and, you know, I can't say much more that Melbourne were just right on top from the get-go. Yeah, they were absolutely clinical, mate. And Luke, take us through the stats in this one, buddy. Mate, Mad Money was a, a pivotal player in this game as well, I have to say. Yes. He's, he's, in my, he's in my list of top performers. Um, yeah, I agree with you that Storm were just all over your chookies. Storm 28 to the Roosters, 8. Storm had five tries, Coates bagging a triple. The Roosters only had one. Storm hit three out of their five conversions and hit a penalty goal. Roosters were one from one and hit a penalty goal, so they were 100%. Storm had 59% possession to the Roosters, 41. Storm had one in ruck infringement, gave away three penalties, and had eight errors. Whereas yeah. the Roosters had three ruck infringements, gave away four penalties, and had 14 errors. Yeah, you can't win games off that. Definitely not. Definitely not. And that's not even the worst number this week. Top players, Mad Munster, 20 runs, 209 metres, 39 post-contact. Justin Olam, 20 runs, 161 metres, 57 post-contact. Josh King, 14 runs, 126 metres, 50 post-contact. Defensively, Harry Grant made 35 tackles and missed six. Liero made 33 tackles and missed zero. And Katoa and King made 30 tackles each and had a combined missed tackles of only three. Wow. So, like, you know, pretty pretty good defensive numbers from those boys. I think King missed two. I think he was the one who missed two, but yeah. don't quote me. Over to your Chookies, Joey Manu, 22 runs, 200 metres, 62 post-contact. Daniel Tupau, 17 runs, 186 metres, 67 post-contact. Joseph Suli'i, 13 runs, 134 metres, 47 post-contact. The Butcher brothers, both brothers made 49 tackles and they both missed five. Victor Radley had 41 tackles and only missed two. And Brandon Smith had 40 tackles and missed six. Your boys had a lot of post-contact metres, yet they just couldn't do much with it. And then also you did miss a lot of tackles. I mean, the Butcher brothers combined missed 10. Yeah. Brent Smith missed six. It's the errors there for me. It's the errors that you can't you can't make fourteen errors in a game and expect to win unless the other team mm. makes the same amount or more. But mm. uh, what you talked about there, Joey Manu, so good, mate. Two hundred meters at fullback. He was so yes. strong in that game. He was breaking through tackles. He was doing really well, but just couldn't find the try line, unfortunately. Let's move no. on to our second game. It was first Friday night game. I should say Friday Arvo game. It was Good Friday. Bulldogs yeah. against the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs getting it done 50 to 16. As it say in rugby league, the Bulldogs can now not win the comp this year because they've had 50 points put on them. Let's go through it. Not really much to talk about from a doggy's point of view. They started it off. The doggies were actually up first at 6-0 and... You know, I thought, oh, here we go. Might have our first upset on the cards, but it wasn't to be. Latrell Mitchell absolutely on fire in this game. Love him or hate him. His 150th match, he was absolutely outstanding. Scoring a hat trick. And Campbell Graham as well bagging a hat trick too. So some great efforts there from the Bunny Boys. Reese, this doggy side, now at car is injured. Do you think they may start a bit of a decline? Well, yeah, as well as another injury, Kikau tore his peck at training. So that. that's another big loss for him, for them. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I, I don't see them getting much better, to be honest. Like, no. you know, they've got, a, they've got a great team. And 
it's it's hard. They've got a good coach and all that, but the systems aren't in play yet because he's only had half a summer with them. Like yeah. you know, like it's hard for for you to sit there. Doggies going to make the eight this year when you know they have a great track record the last couple of years. So do I think they're on the decline? Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. But uh, yeah, it's hard to say really. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, round seven, but. The hardest thing for me is that even though Adokar's a winger, he's such a big part of that squad. And, you know, you often talk about, oh, wingers don't really win your games. But Adokar's more than a winger. He's a leader in that team. And he's a co-captain in that team. And it's it's that voice. Exactly. That voice and what he brings to that side. You replace him with a young winger, a winger who's untested, untried. I mean, Braden Burns is going to be filling in this week. Uh, And Burns has been around the traps. But Burns is no Adokar. Burns doesn't have that no. voice that Adokar brings, and I just think he's such a big loss. Like, you talk about your Matt Burtons in that team, and, you know, you read Marnie's the guy that run the team, but I think Adokar's massive for them. Eight weeks, it's huge. What complications will it have on Origin? We'll talk a bit about that later. But, Luke, take us through the stats in this game, buddy. I, I think <laughs> most of that second half is going to be all Rabbitohs, but never know. Yeah. Bulldogs 16 to the Rabbits 50. Bulldogs managed to score three tries. Matty Burton bagged himself a double. Rabbits had nine. Both Latrell Mitchell and Campbell Graham both bagged themselves triples. The Dogs had two out of their three conversions. The Rabbits had six out of their nine and had a penalty goal. Dogs had 43% possession to the Rabbits' 57. Both teams had two ruck infringements. The Dogs gave away 11 penalties to the Rabbits' three. And the Doggies made 10 errors to the Rabbits' 13. So the Bunnies made more errors. But yeah. they just were managed to put points on the board. Uh, for the doggies, Jakey Avarillo had nine runs for 143 meters. He made 12 post contact. Jacob Caraz had 14 runs for 131 meters and 38 post contact. Hayes Perham had 14 runs for 123 meters, 20 post contact. Defensively, Reed Marnie made 50 tackles and missed five. Max King had 21 and missed two. And Jacob Preston, yet again, another week. He had 40 tackles and he missed naught. Yeah, oh, he's up there for Rookie of the Year in my books. Sure. Jumping over to the Bunnies, Latrell Mitchell had 15 runs for 191 metres, 21 post-contact. Big Tommy Burgess had 17 runs for 163 metres and 60 post-contact. And Kaloa Matangi had 17 runs for 152 metres, 51 post-contact. Cam Murray and Damien Cook both made 31 tackles each and missed none. And Jacob Post made 21 tackles and only missed the one this week. I'll tell you what, Cam Murray was good. And there was a couple of weeks ago, I think the week before the Roosters game, I forget who they were playing, but I sort of felt that he was a bit sluggish to start the mm. year. And I thought, oh, this yeah. isn't the Campbell Murray that we really know. But since then, he's really eaten my words. And he's just... I he's just... I find... I fully agree with you. Yeah. And I find it's he's very sluggish the week after a head knock. Yeah. Yeah, true. I, true. I don't think he is having enough time to fully recover because he's had so many head knocks that I think oh, that yeah. every time he has another one, it, he should be lengthening his recovery period. Yeah, he's having one head knock and coming back a week later. Yeah, he's might have been cleared, but he's that sluggish that he's not fully recovered. I reckon reckon he needs to seriously consider his health and go, if he's having a head knock a game, he misses a week. It's shocking by the health team. Like, I've had concussions in my life, and every time I get one, it's worse. Every single time. Exactly. And you can't recover after a week. You just don't. Well, you you look at, like, let's take the Roosters for an example. Jake Friend and Boyd Cordner both had 
plenty of head knocks in their career, and they ended up having to medically retire. It got that yeah, bad yeah. that every time Cordner would get a head knock, and this isn't just a biased opinion, but Cordner was the New South Wales captain, the Australian captain, and the Roosters captain, and was an absolute star of our game. The, the effort that Cordner put in week in, week out, but he did that. He lengthened his recovery every time, but it just got yeah. to a stage where it was too much. Luke Keery's been yeah. down the same line as well. I just think it's crazy because even in like he's now talking about he's now made address the comments about him moving to Union, mm. like Suwali'i, and he said it was always his dream. And he's addressing he's saying that it's going to be later in his career, but if he continues the way he's going, he won't make it because he's going to be have to medically retire yeah. because he's had too yeah. many head knocks. <laughs> you never want to see that. I mean, as much as I don't like South Sydney, he's a he's a great he's a champion of our game. I mean. The, that link play that he does at lock is just incredible. But let's move on to our second Friday game. It was the Cowboys against the Dolphins. Man, Boxy, not many of us picked this, mate. Cowboys losing here to the Dolphins, 32-22. to 22. Another loss at home. Queensland Country Bank Stadium not really taken off this year. Look, let's go through it a bit. Azakio absolutely on fire for the Dolphins the past few rounds. Another hat trick. And another try for this year. He'd be up there, top try scorers this season. Kyle Felt getting it done for the Cowboys. A couple of tries there. But, Boxy, I'll go to you first, mate. What's going wrong with the Cowboys at the moment? Is it just – is are they lacking cohesion? What What's the issue, you think? I will reference this back to the way I sort of think about games too. I think we're playing the game in our head before we play the game. Yeah. And we're thinking too much about things before we even go out there and get the ball in our hands. So – Perfect example, right? I saw a stat today, and Asako scored half of the Dolphins' points already this season. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then you know we had Kyle Felt do what he does; he's consistent. But that's it. Like, we, our senior heads are playing okay. It's everyone yeah. else who's not picking up the slack at the moment. So I was going to say, like Townsend and Dearden have been really good. Really, they've good been great. Person. Like, yeah, Tommy Dearden, I think. Gone to another level this year, 100%. and Townsend's a great leader. But yeah. you know, you got we've got a very young forward pack at the same time. We've got a couple of young outside backs. Yeah, if they're not used to these pressures with all these expectations that happen at the start of the year, how the hell are they going to be able to perform? They're thinking about the game too much. And JT is not where he was at. Like Jason Tamalalo was the most formidable forward five years ago. He was so good and coming. Like he, you, you couldn't tackle him. He scored tries. The guy's a brick. The guy's a brick shit ass. How could he not be making those yeah. meters that he used to make? Like, I just yeah, don't get I it. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I still love Ruben Cotter there at the front. Um, you, you do welcome back Nanai and Tulagi this week, which is massive. For I you did guys. see that. Yeah, yeah, That's huge yeah for us. which will definitely help. But Luke, take us through the stats in this game, mate. I think it might actually be closer than what we're expecting. Yeah, yeah, some close numbers. Cowboys 22 to the Dolphins 32. Cowboys had four tries, felt bagging himself a double. Dolphins had six tries. Azako and the Hammer both bagged doubles. Cowboys hit three out of their four conversions. Dolphins hit three out of their six. However, they did hit a penalty goal. Both teams had 50% possession. It was a oh. it was share game. It was very close there. Cowboys had two ruck infringements, seven penalties given away, and 13 errors. Whereas the Dolphins had one ruck infringement, gave away seven penalties, and had six errors. So the penalty count was the same. Ruck infringements, there was only one in it. and yeah. But errors, there was seven. 
Seven errors difference. Val Holmes, he ran 15 times for 155 metres, 49 post-contact. Kyle Felt had 14 runs for 132 metres, 47 post-contact. And Brandon Elliott, 15 runs, 132 metres, 34 post-contact. Reese Robson made 39 tackles, missed two. Cohen Hess had 34 and missed four. Ruben Cotter had 30 and missed two. Over to the Dolphins, Jermaine Asako had 14 runs for 161 metres, 40 post-contact. Tommy Gilbert had 19 runs, 154 metres, 64 post-contact. And Ewan Aiken had 14 runs, <laughs> sorry boys, for 141 metres, 54 post-contact. Defensively, Jamie Marshall King had 41 tackles and missed two. Kenny Bromwich had 31 tackles and missed one. And Tommy Gilbert had 34 tackles and missed three. Yeah, wow, there you go. Some really good stats there. Boxy, hopefully only up from here. Let's move on to our first game of Super Saturday. It was the Panthers against the Seagulls. Panthers getting it done in a demolition job, 44-12. to 12. After scoring 53 points last week, 44 this week. Mate, Panthers are back. Luke asked it last week. They're back, baby. They are They're killing back. it at the moment. And let's go through this game. Now, <clears throat> Dylan Edwards, four tries. But credit to Brian Toto and Stephen Crichton, who were laying on the try assists like they were halfbacks. The two mm. winger, uh, winger and centre there were absolutely outstanding for Edwards. Toto gave him two of them. I think Crichton gave him two as well, and then Cleary as well. But the whole team was just outstanding in the first half. The second half, I thought they slacked off a little bit. I, I don't know whether it was just they took their foot off the gas. Uh, Manly did score two tries in that second half, but it didn't really matter at the end of the game anyway. But I think as a as a top team, you don't want to slack off. You don't want to take your foot off the gas. So to do that and let a team score is disappointing. But yeah, for a bit, it was, like I said, it was a demolition job. Reese, we'll go with you, mate. We'll leave the stats to last. But you talked about how much, you know, we, we've been talking about Edwards a lot and and how good he is as a fullback. And, you know, even though you don't like Tedesco, Edwards came out during the week and with they because they were sort of comparing him and asking him questions. And he said, you know, he's really happy with his work so far this season. But he said, they're all different. He said, yeah, he, you know, plays really well for Penrith, but he doesn't have the ball playing skill of Tedesco or Latrell. And I think what, Edwards has done this year for Penrith, he's sort of starting to fit that mold a bit. He's starting to get the ball playing going, and I'm really enjoying watching his game develop. Do you think that he may be a smoky for Origin? Well, he's taken over my mantle of being the best fullback in the game right now. Yeah. He's been just phenomenal. And it, it, one thing I will say, it kind of helps when you've got, you know, Toto, Crichton, and then you got Cleary and Lawai, and Edwards, they've all played together for so long in junior That's systems right. too. So they know exactly how each other plays. But uh, it's the one thing, I don't like saying it because I find Brad Fittler picks his favourites. Mm. I think he just has his favourites and he has his guys. He won't. He doesn't like bleeding new people straight away. Yeah, You can't deny this guy. It, he has to be in the squad. He has to be in that camp. He has to experience it. He sh in my eyes, he should be getting a chance at yeah. some point. But, you know, the again, only problem is, like, will pick who he wants. Well, well, the only problem is, Teddy's New South Wales captain, but also, where do you play Edwards if not fullback? Because if not fullback, exactly you're not right. going to play him anywhere else. Because 
And, but that's the problem with Teddy as well, is both of them boys are out and out fullbacks. Whereas you look at someone like your Tommy Turbo or Latrells who can play center, Tommy can play a bit of wing, but Edwards and Teddy are fullbacks and they, and they can't, yes. they can't really broaden out there. So I think the only way Edwards probably makes origin is if there's an injury to Tedesco. I don't, I don't think Edwards would make it this year, but the way it's going, if Tedesco starts to slow down as he has been, Edwards is definitely a good shout in a year or two time, I reckon. But and he's only oh, like yeah. twenty four or something, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's still heaps young. He's got time on his side. But Luke, take us through the stats, mate. Of this one, I expect a bit of a bloodbath there, the Penrith. Oh, mate, honestly, I got bored. I was I was bored watching that game. Not, not anything against the Panthers, but Manly sucked ass. And sorry, DK, I, that's the truth. It's, it's true. They sucked. <laughs> Panthers 44 to the Manly 12. Penrith had seven tries. Edwards bagging himself a quaddy. Manly only had two. Penrith was seven for seven with their conversions and a penalty goal. Manly were two from two. Surprisingly, Penrith only had 55% possession. Wow. So... I was quite shocked when I read that. When you look at the points you would and you see that it's a thirty-two point difference, you would think Penrith had eighty percent of the ball. But they really like, didn't like it was that second half, that first twenty minutes of the second half, Manly had the ball and dominated quite a bit. Yeah. So I, I was quite shocked about that. Penrith had one ruck infringement, gave away eleven penalties and had seven errors. Manly had four ruck infringements, gave away nine penalties, and had nine errors. So, you know, kind of similar in those numbers there. Um, over to personal stats, Brian Toto, 20 runs, 246 metres, 70 post-contact. Uh, Isaiah Yo, 28 runs, 210 metres, 27 post-contact. Dylan Edwards, 18 runs, 190 metres, 32 post-contact. Uh, Hosking made 31 tackles, missed two. Sonny Luke had 25 tackles and missed none. Isaiah Yo had 25 tackles and missed none. Wow. Over, over to Manly. Paseca had 13 runs, 116 metres, 49 post-contact. Jake Trebojevic had 16 runs, 119 metres, 29 post-contact. Josh Alloy had 13 runs, 117 metres, 40 post-contact. Jake Trebojevic had 45 tackles, missed zero. Josh Alloy had 33 tackles and missed two. And Ola Couture had 26 tackles and missed four. Again, just not enough running metres from Manly there. Yeah. And um, just going back to what you said about Edwards, actually... I was really surprised that he didn't crack that 200. Yeah. I, like I thought I thought for sure he was going to have that 200 in there, especially with all those tries in there. And I think a lot of it was those tries this I talked about. Like They, they weren't like long-range tries. I think he yeah. had scored four long-range tries, 100%. Oh, 100% he A lot of them came, you know, 15, 10 metres out. Um, yeah. From a short ball from Crichton or from To'o. So, but yeah. he was outstanding. Yeah, for him to for him to get a for him to get a blues jersey, as you said, it Teddy'd have to be really injured. But then I also agree with boxing in the sense that if Teddy's injured, he's just going to put Latrell or Turbo back there. You know, it's going to be really hard for Edwards to crack a spot. Yeah. But you know, for, for he Edwards, should be in the squad though. He has yeah, to be in the squad. Well, even even to be in the camp and give him that experience. Mm. Exactly I, right. I, I think where you said, Joey, about like, you know, what are you going to do because Teddy's the captain? You've got so many like people in that forward pack that could step up to that role. I mean, yeah. Isaiah Yo, he's probably going to be there again. He's a two time premiership captain. 
Yeah. Like, why, why aren't we thinking about that? Cam Murray. Like, yeah. I mean, he could run the squad. Nathan he could run that blue squad. He's captain at Penrith as well. <laughs> so, like, you, there's so many players that, like, it's not about taking the Blues captain out. It's about, you know, sharing the responsibility, getting onto someone like that, and then giving Edwards that crack. Yeah, if, if, sure. like, if he was to be injured. For sure. It's great chat, boys. We'll talk a bit on Origin later. Let's move on to our next game. It was the Broncos against the Raiders, the one that ruined everyone's tips. Uh, Raiders getting it done 20 to 14. <laughs> There's a lot to go through in this game. Such back and forth footy it was in this one. You know, Raiders would score, then Broncos would score, then Raiders would score, then Bron- and etc. But what got me was that ending. And we're going to go through it in our talking points. I mean, let's touch on it a little bit. Rapana goes to catch the ball. Cops a, a knee. We, watching it on TV, like I didn't even see the knee contact his head. At, at first, I literally thought that Rapana chucked a dive. I thought he chucked a dive, and then I saw the blood spurting out the back of his head, and I was like, okay, he's copped something here. But it, it was such a difficult one because, yes, it was accidental, but when you look back at it, you go, well, if they're penalising any contact to the head, then you have to penalise it. And, yes. you know, at, at the time, like, we're all seeing red because we want the Raiders to win, but uh, we want Broncos to win. But when you look back on it, you go, well, yeah, that is true. You know, any contact to the head has to be sent off. But how how minor, doesn't matter. Contact to the head, you're gone. And the, the only issue I have is I find refs are panicking and they're making decisions based on what's happened. So because he was bleeding, the refs, called a penalty like he hasn't called the penalty for contact to the head he's mm. called it because a player is bleeding and has been taken out on a stretcher mm. you know so I, didn't originally he just stop the clock though didn't originally he yeah. stop the clock and then once it was reviewed there was a penalty called well that's what i mean because you when you watched it live you didn't see the knee so no one saw the knee from marty to power it was only when they slowed it down and they reviewed it that you actually you briefly see his knee like graze him. It was completely accidental. But thoughts out there to Geordie Rapiner as well. You know, we hope he's recovering well. But Reese, uh, take us through this game a little bit, mate. It was it was one that was very very puzzling. <laughs> yeah, it was very puzzling. But I, I think one thing that can't be um, sort of taken lightly how good Jared Croker has been since he come back in the squad. Oh, and he's and. And we mentioned it before, like we've we've um, we've had Okar. It's his leadership. He's yeah. such a good leader, and he's been there his whole career. I, I think he was personally the difference in the game. But I didn't get to watch a lot of it because I was a bit busy. But I did see the highlights. But yeah, again, Raiders effed everyone's tiffing up, and I'm not happy about it. But at the same time, it's a gutsy win over the best, most informed team in the comp. So you can't you can't say that much more than that. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. I mean. Yeah, Broncos none of uh, five and zero heading into that game had undefeated. So yeah, great effort for them. Uh, Lukey, take us through the stats of this one, mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll say what I want to say after. Um, yeah, yeah. Rizzy had fourteen points. Raiders twenty. Brisbane had both teams had three tries. It's conversions that fucked it up. Brisbane only kicked one from their three conversions. However, the Raiders were three from three and hit a penalty goal. Uh, Brisbane had 53% possession to the Raiders, 47. Broncos had one ruck infringement, gave away six penalties and had 11 errors, whereas Raiders had two ruck infringements, 
gave away five penalties and nine errors. Payne Haas had 22 runs for 203 metres, 68 post-contact. Reese Walsh had 23 runs, 192 metres, 38 post-contact. Patrick Carrigan had 19 runs, 153 metres, 26 post-contact. Defensively, Jordan Rickey had 37 tackles, missed three. Paddy Carrigan had 31 tackles and missed one, and Payne Haas had 29 tackles and missed zero. Over to the Raiders, Albert Hopawati had 20 runs, 152 metres, 35 post contact. Sebastian Chris had 115 runs, 169 metres, 43 post contact. And Josh Papali'i had 15 runs, 156 metres, and 55 post contact. Elliot Whitehead made 41 tackles, missed five. Corey Horsburgh had 40 tackles and missed three. And Hudson Young had 38 tackles and missed five. Tight, tight game. Mm. As you said, it ruined everyone's tips. But I think in this game, it was inconsistent refereeing. Yeah. I mean, across all games. Like, I think the refereeing this year has been so poor. Um, Like, it is not funny. Calls that are being missed. What was Marty Tapao meant to do in there? Like, That's what right. was he meant to do? Right. Was he meant to, like, leapfrog him? What was, yeah. <laughs> is that what they're expecting? <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous. Like, I completely agree with you. And, and I, I was not a fan of that call at all because you're exactly right. Like, how yeah. – like, Rappin is falling and mm. Tapao is going Which... down to tackle. You know, like, it's just – and but then Tapao's trying even... to get out of the way as well. So, you can clearly hear the referee admit that Marty has lifted his hands. He's surrendering the tackle. Right. Yeah. You can clearly hear that. So at this point, he is running. Yeah. It is not. It's not Marty Tapao's fault that Rapana fell into his knee, which Rapana is a repeat offender of falling, <laughs> and getting his head in the wrong spot. And, and so, that's what that's what I meant about the refs panicking. It, it it wasn't even like a rash decision was made. It was like, oh my god, like he's bleeding. We need a stretcher, so let's call a penalty. Mm. Like. Like you, uh, they they may need to, uh, as I said before, any contact with the head is always going to be a penalty, no matter what. But maybe they need to look at bringing in maybe like an accidental penalty clause or something like that. You know, if there is no way that you can pull out, I don't know. Like like what what do you do? It's just it's such a. Hard... I think it should be just it should just be a warning because yeah. if it's an accidental situation, they have it in the AFL where. It's a, it's a weird rule. Like, we have the 6-6-6 six, six, six zones. Yeah. And if you don't have your six guys in each zone, they give you a warning. And if it happens again, even though it might be accidental, that's when then you would give a penalty. Like, if oh, you wow. don't generally mean it, then you shouldn't be getting penalised. Like, at the same time, Marty Tapao is one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my life. How the hell is that bloke going to get out of the way that quick? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, is he... I, I, I like that. Is he gonna is he gonna leapfrog him? Is he yeah. expected to be running at full pelt and then go, I oh, will just jump over you now? Like yeah. he's not prepared for it. He lifted his hands. He had no intention. He I don't even think he intended to contact him. Yeah. I don't think that he was running past him and just the way Rapana fell, he hit his help, he hit his knee. Like Agreed. I feel so bad for Marty Tapao. And you know what? He's probably gonna cop a fine for it. He probably won't get a suspension, but he may cop a fine for you know aggressive contact to the head or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a shit go. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, credit to the Raiders getting a gutsy win there. All right, we'll move on to our first Sunday game, and it was the Titans against the Dragons. Really good tight game in this one. Titans getting it done twenty to eighteen. This game was one that we were very divided in. A few of us had Titans, few of us had Dragons. Uh, I didn't get to watch most of it, but I did throw on the highlights, and 
Mate, that try to fill it, Sammy. That was my favorite try. That was so good from Sammy. He was just a beast. And then doing his wrestling signature move after it, it just incredible from him there. Uh, the Dragons, they need to sort of win every game for Anthony Griffin to keep his spot. Reese, take us through what the Dragons need and how can Hook keep his spot as coach? Um, so I don't like feel good at all but he said something during the week which I actually really like and it was the Dragons need to get someone in who's never been involved with the club at all yeah so he 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 mentioned something about Wayne Bennett how Wayne Bennett's an established coach when he went there he went there they got successful yeah. I believe they won a flag they won um, they won the comp 2010 against the Roosters yeah. for the final and that's from a guy who came from the outside Remember so I, I think it's fair to say that I don't we mentioned we've popped Talked about it before, but Anthony Griffin has been sacked from every job he's ever been in. Yeah. So at the same time, like it's 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 just a ticking time bomb, really. Like cut the thing loose, get someone in there. Perfect example: get Shane Flanagan in there or someone. I don't know. Desi get someone in there who's. Well, I've seen that name being put up. Yeah. So, but at the same time, give Titans credit. Titans play really good footy. Um, I thought Toby Sexton was really good too. So, he was. Um, as well as Philip Sammy with that awesome try. And I think that Tanner Boyd's been playing really well as well as yeah. a very, very small man. But he, the guy just tries his heart out every day. So, yeah. I could, other than that, yeah, the Dragons need to just cut the, cut the shit, start your rebuild. Yeah, I mean, Ben Hunt keeps talking about that week in, week out, about backing the coach and, you know, like just – standing up for one another and that's something that dragons culture hasn't been great with is standing up for one another they're very selfish when they do things so they definitely need to get better at that luke take us through the stats of this game yeah mate uh poor poor dragons this week i think one or two of the uh their errors obviously i mean 10 of their errors really cost them the game i'd yeah based off that game i'd I feel bad for anthony griffin because it's yeah. they actually played really well like to come down to two points you're gonna sack a coach over that, like the Ben the Ben Hunt rough. drop at the end was was a bad one. Oh yeah, I'm not disputing all these other losses and all these other indiscretions throughout the year, yeah. but I'm saying like that just does not help his case. Like they they were on top, they were winning, and it looks like he was going to get a bit of praise, and then yeah, Ben Hunt dropping that ball. So yeah, uh, I, I feel kind of bad for the guy, but in the sense, yeah, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Titans getting 20 points to the Dragons, 18. Both teams had three tries. Again, it comes down to conversions. The Titans hit three from three with one penalty goal. Dragons only hit two from three with one penalty goal. The Titans had 49% possession to the Dragons, 51. Titans had five, gave away five ruck infringements, had two penalties given away, and made 11 errors. The Dragons had two ruck infringements, gave away eight penalties, and had 10 errors. Uh, Philip Sami had 18 runs for 275 metres. He made 43 posts from that. I know, big, big number. Jaden Campbell had 18 runs, 183 metres, 34 post contact. And David Fafida had 21 runs for 175 metres, 60 post contact. Big Tino had 40 tackles and only missed one. Uh, Stimson had 41 tackles but missed eight. And Chris Randall had 36 tackles and missed one. Over to the Dragons. Matthew Figai had 18 runs for 161 metres, 47 post contact. Ravalawa had 14 runs for 171 metres and 34 post contact. 
And Zach Lomax had 17 runs for 143 metres, 53 post-contact. Jaden Sewer had 36 tackles and missed five. Jack Bird had 30 tackles and missed six. And Blake Laurie had 20 tackles and missed five. Oh, Missing too many tackles, the Dragons. Absolutely. Yeah, that's not good at all. Uh, thank you for those stats, Luke. Very good. Let's move on to our next game. Not really much more to talk about there. Knights versus the Warriors there, Sunday night. Knights getting it done, 34 to 24. Now, boys, I took the Warriors in my tips and on the pod last week. Five minutes before the game, I changed to Newcastle, and I am so happy I did. Jumped on the Knights bandwagon, got the tip there. Knights 34, Warriors 24. Another good game. This game was really great. First half, it was all Newcastle, and I thought Knights were about to run away with this game, but the second half came along, and Warriors hit back real quick, really quickly. Scored four tries in very quick succession but wasn't enough to get it done over Newcastle. Luke, we might start with you this time. Take us through the stats of this game and anything else you want to add. Yeah, no worries, mate. Uh, the Knights getting 34 points to the Warriors, 24. Knights had six tries. Greg Marju bagging himself a double. Uh, Warriors only had four. And Pompey scoring himself a double. The Knights hit five out of their six conversions. The Warriors were 100% four from four. Yeah. Both teams had 50% possession each. Uh, War- uh, Knights had three ruck infringements, gave away five penalties and had eight errors. The Warriors had one ruck infringement, seven penalties and gave, uh, nine errors. Lockie Miller had 18 runs for 193 metres, 31 post-contact. Dan Gagai had 20 runs, 174 metres, 59 post-contact. Greg Marju had 17 runs, 151 metres, 43 post-contact. Braley made 42 tackles, missed one. Frizzell made 36 tackles and missed one. And Fitzgibbon had 35 tackles and missed two. Over to the Warriors. Oh, I'm very impressed with this bloke this season. I think he's been re- working really well off the back of Sean Johnson. But Chance Nickel Clockstad had 24 runs for 245 metres in 71 post contact. Edward Cosey had 13 runs, 192 metres and 34 post contact. And Fenua Blake had 16 runs for 151 metres, 46 post contact. Josh Curran made 58 tackles but missed six. Jazz Tavaga made 43 tackles and missed five. And Jackson Ford had 36 tackles and missed four. I was very impressed with the uh, the Warriors uh, this game. I just think Lockie Miller was played really well, um, as well as Dom Young. Like, his return into the game, yeah. he's just been explosive. He's only, he only scored the one try this week. I had him for a double, and he only got <laughs> one. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he was just explosive on that wing. He was very... um. He was very up and down, and defensively, I think the Knights just—I think the Warriors put it to the Knights, and the Knights just had a better defense this week um, compared to other weeks. I tell you what, though, if I if I had to talk about two of the most improved teams this year, it's Warriors and Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, what Warriors were second at one stage this season, and the even though they lost this game, they came back strong. They came back really strong. It. Unfortunately, it's still a case of them away from home, not doing so great. They did beat the Cowboys a few weeks ago away from home. But apart from that, not doing too great away from home. But Newcastle, I just can't believe this. They started the season with a loss to the Warriors. And I thought, okay, this is the Newcastle we know. This is probably what's going to happen. But since then, they've actually played some really good footy. Gritty win against the Tigers. Draw against Manly. Great win here against the Warriors. So it's really good to see. 
Uh, Reese, anything you want to add into this game, mate? Not, there's not a lot you can really add on, but I, I think one one person that should get more credit is that Greg Margie. Ever since he's come into the side since, you know, he, he came from the Titans yep. with that swap with, was it Randall? He had a swap with Randall, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. He's come in and he's just been just a, a, a shot in the arm, really. He's just been powerful. He's just <laughs> a solid, oh. solid man. But he's got pace to burn. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think he complements well with Lockie Miller and Dominic Young. You've got three different styles, but they all blend well. You know, you got Dominic Young, who's a big man as well, but he's tall and athletic. Then you got Marju, who's a little beast. Then you got Lockie Miller, who's the best of both worlds. So, yeah. other than that, yeah, like, I think the Knights finally bought into Adam O'Brien's system, mm. and I think it's coming. It's gonna, it's gonna make make the competition more fun because, as you know, Newcastle have such a passionate fan base. Absolutely, and like obviously you're a coastie as well. Like growing up, you know that everyone loves the Knights. Like it's a yeah. soft spot for everyone. So, I, I can't wait to see how the Knights go actually this week with the game coming up against the Panthers because be it good. could be it could be a smashing, but it could be one of the games of the year. You don't know. So yeah, you're um, you're yeah. exactly right with that uh, supporter base in Newcastle. As Coasties, like we've seen it, we have so many friends from Newcastle and mates who are Knights supporters, and they're just a different breed. Like the support down there for the Knights is. It's crazy. Everyone knows the Johns brothers. You know, everyone grew up in that area. And, yeah, it's just so strong. You go to McDonald Dome Stadium and you get 30,000, 40,000 just in a Newcastle home game. The Knights, yeah. who haven't won a comp since 2001, get 30,000 get thirty thousand people at a home game. Like, it's just insane. Insane stuff there. But, no, some some great, uh, great discussions there, boys. Let's move on to our last game. We had an Easter Monday game, as is usual over Easter period. And the game that's usually played is the Tigers and the Eels. Again, it was Eels getting it done 28-22. Not the case last year. Tigers actually won by a field goal last year. That led me to back the Tigers in this game, thinking there'd be another tight one. Lukey, if you want to chat first, and then we can throw some stats in. Mate, they almost got it done. Can I just say, I'm not in the habit of blaming individual players, but if Charlie Staines did not drop that ball, I reckon Tigers win that game. He was such a gun for RTC. I This whole season, I've been saying, why the fuck did we buy him? Like, honestly, yeah. Yeah. he hasn't done much. Yeah, and then this way he really like he shut me up. I was so impressed with him. I don't know who in their right mind. I reckon like we let an insane guy into the box because I don't know who said Appy go and kick that. Like, come on! Especially Luke Brooks kicked one from forty and nailed it. Luke, yeah, that's exactly right. As much as I don't rate Luke Brooks at all. But I don't know, and I love Abby Carousel. I'm not blaming him, but whoever said, yeah, you go kick it, like, come well, he on. Probably did. He's the captain. He said, oh, I'll take it, boys. Oh, that was the big blunder. Like, oh. seriously, that that goal, that pen, that goal right there would have put us in that contention. But, yeah, un, un, really unlucky, Charlie Staines. I do have to say as well, oh, the one thing I've hated this year is commentary. Like, I... Yeah. Absolutely hate the commentators. Ao are the worst commentators ever. There was, I can't remember, it was probably, well, probably with about 20, 25 minutes to go. Yeah. And one of the commentators, I wrote it down because I was like, oh, I'm pissed. One of the commentators said, 
Nobody can put pressure on Para's right edge. Para's right edge, and then, oh, sorry, and then we scored two tries on their right edge, and then they come back and said, Para's right edge is now under scrutiny. <laughs> I just, I went, are you for real? Like, how like how, how can you say that? And then, you know, that's where we score our tries. Like, it, yeah, but as well, like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm probably being biased in saying this, but... There was four occasions. The Parramatta had 12 errors in this game. And instead of – and one of them was a tie, massive target hit up and he just dropped his shoulder right on the chest and he knocked the ball on. Yeah. And instead of saying, what a tackle, they said, oh, Parramatta messed up. Like, <laughs> they, like there was no, like, backing the Tigers in that play. Yeah. It was like, and like you know that that's a that's bias. I'll admit that, and it's just frustrating because when the Tigers do something good, it's never it's well, it's not a case of that was a good thing. It was oh, the other team fucked up. Yeah, I get it, mate. I'm a Chook supporter. That's everyone. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, like there, there's probably there, there's bias in what I say, and I know other teams cop it as well. But like, obviously, I only hear it when my team plays. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. So. But yeah, yeah, that's that's all I got to say on that game. I was I was so happy to watch that game, and then we lost by one try. Uh, but it was, it was good to see. It's good to see we put on twenty two points, and we had, like showed teams that we actually can play football. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got some stats there for us? Yeah, I do. Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, nah, that's all right. Yeah. Tigers twenty two to the Eels twenty eight. Tigers had four tries. Eels had five. Marcus Ebo growing himself a double. Tigers made two out of their four conversions and kicked one penalty goal. The Eels were four from five with conversions. Tigers had 57% possession. Wow. We had the ball. We just couldn't score. On oh, And that's the other thing. Four consecutive sets in the first 10 minutes on their trial line could not score a try. They get within our 10 metres and score a try first thing. I was, I was so bummed. The Tigers had one ruck infringement, gave away three penalties and had 13 errors. Eels had four ruck infringements, three penalties, and 12 errors. Junior Tupo for the Tigers had 16 runs, 221 metres, 32 post-contact. Charlie Staines had 23 runs, 238 metres, 60 post-contact. And Stafford Toa had 14 runs, 182 metres, 30 post-contact. Happy Coruscant had 37 tackles, missed four. Isaiah Papali had 35 tackles, missed zero. And John Bateman had 34 tackles and missed five. Over to the Eels, Will Penasini had 15 runs for 150 metres, 44 post-contact. Ryan Madison had 20 runs for 191 metres, 54 post-contact. And Jermaine Hopgood had 14 runs for 128 metres, 42 post-contact. RCG made 36 tackles and missed three. Ryan Maddow had 42 tackles and missed two. And Bryce Cartwright had 40 tackles and missed two. Can I just say, Boxy, I'll direct this to you. If you were a Parramatta fan, I would not be happy with this win. Yes, you got the two points, but that second half was poor from Parramatta. It was poor. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think Parra just shut off. Like they, they, they were like, "Yeah, we've won this game. How yeah. good is this?" Blah 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 blah. Yahoo. Same time, I saw something today as well. Parra just love being in close games. To be honest. Yeah. Um. Every game this year, they've been in close games. But I said this ages ago. I think Brad Arthur signing that deal was a silly idea, and I I'm going to stick by that because Parra haven't done anything this year. 
And again, I'm going to throw it out there. Why the hell is Reese Madison starting at lock when Jermaine Hopkins should be starting at lock? Ryan Madison, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Ryan Madison. I thought it was Reese Madison. My bad. Yeah. Um, and Hopkins be so good. And Madison, and like, off the bench last oh year, was so good as an impact player. So, I don't know. We may why? see him again. Yeah. Like, it's just ruining Hopkins' chances of being part of Origin, honestly. He, en- he ended up being a sell in my fantasy because he's now playing off the bench. But Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our round six review. Let's move on to our round six, Dynamos and Dungs. I'll start off with Boxy. Did you have a Dynamo for us, mate, for round six? Oh, it pains me to say it. Hammer. The hammer. He, um, he, he signed with the Dolphins, and I fucking loved him at the Cowboys. And seeing him go, I, I was happy for him because he got a payday. He got an absolute payday. But he's been fantastic since he's gone there. And he's, he's playing with a freedom where, you know, Wayne Bennett's just unlocking him. And it's it's great to see. And as much as I don't like everything it, He's playing the best footy of his career, and he's still so young. So, I, yeah, he's, he's my dynamo. I saw a stat today. He has scored in every game this year. Exactly. Every game. Seven games, and he has scored at least one try in every game. So yeah. He'd be leading the try scoring, wouldn't he? He'd be, yeah, he'd be he's up, up there. Yeah, he's up there. Him up there, and Marco, yeah. I think, as well, um, who's bagged a couple of doubles and hat-tricks. So, and do you have a dung for us for round six, mate? Can't give us a team this I'm week. Gonna... <laughs> I am going to use a team, actually. I'm going to go the Chookies here. Yeah. Nah, he's not wrong. I can't be wrong. They've been playing some very good football. And, you know, like, although Melbourne in Melbourne is such a tough ass, it's such a good fucking team with so much talent. How can you not be able to just continue what you've been doing? Like, it's like as if they got there and they're like, ah, shit, we're versus Melbourne. Let's not play. Yeah. Like, no, they're such a better team than that. And as much as I love having our banter together, yeah, they should be playing better football than what they dished up on the weekend. Yeah. I, mate, I completely agree. As a, as a Chooks fan, like, I was frustrated in that game because I thought we were in for a chance. Probably the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, we're in here. But, yeah, to just let it slide was poor. Luke, do you have a dynamo for us, mate? Yeah, I do. My dynamo was Dill Edwards. Oh, just, he, he was just, he was phenomenal, and to bag himself four tries, yeah, two two of which come off some very good um tries from Critter and Toto, as you said. But he had to work for two of them. Like he run through four defenders, I think, in one of them, and still yeah. managed to cross the line. So yeah, he, just, he and he was a workhorse. He scored. He run over one hundred and eighty odd meters, one hundred ninety meters, I think he said. So yeah, yeah, Dill Edwards was my dynamo. He was great. Who uh, was he done, mate? I'm I'm not actually picking a player. I'm gonna pick the coaching staff of Manly. Ooh. You could so tell that Turbo was injured yeah. and not performing. One of it was one of the I think it was one of the Edwards tries. He didn't even try to tackle him. He just sort of took a step and just went, uh, score. Like there was no effort from him whatsoever. So to keep him on the field and potentially ruin that bloke's season by further injuring whatever it was. I, I, there was an article which said it, but I didn't have t- time to read it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was clear that he was not at fit. He was not game fit, and they put him on for the full 80. So I'm my dung is the manly coaching staff this week. Mate, I'm surprised he even got named this week, to be honest. He got 16 points in fantasy because he could hardly 
move a leg. So, no, you're exactly right there, mate. It's a great shout. My Dynamo comes from the game against the Chooks, actually, and it's Cameron Money Munster. I just can't go past him. It, the the way Munster plays, he's just a freak of a, a human. And and I just love how you – know, I love his banter. And I, I just love how how much of a larrikin he is as well. But he's just such a good footballer. Just such yeah. a good footballer. For, for a guy who is a larrikin, he has such a good footy head on his shoulders. And he's definitely my dynamo for round six. Dung, I didn't want to go a team, but I think I'm going to have to go to the Dogs. Like, yes, they lost out of the car, but they were poor against the Bunnies. That second half, the Bunnies ran away with that, scored about 30 points in that second half. And for for a team that was touted as making the top eight this year, you know, Cameron Serrano comes over from Penrith, the assistant coach. They just haven't gelled, and they still haven't gelled. Like, we're into round seven. You know, this is the this is the, the time where teams start to find out, okay, you know, I know what ball I can give to my centre now. I know what my second row or what lines they run. This is the time you start doing that. Yes, they've had the injuries, but I just feel like they're not clicking and it's more of a decline coming. So it's got to be the dogs for me. Great shouts there, boys. Let's move on. He's been doing it all game. So our suspension segment, it wasn't much this week. So here we are. So the suspensions, obviously Jack White, and he'll be back this week. Uh, so his is almost done, but... From this round, there wasn't really many suspensions. Francis Molo from the Dragons, he's set to miss three to four weeks. He had mm. a really bad one in that game there. So he's the main one. Let's move on to call a medic segment because we have so many injuries to talk about this week. Let's start with the poor Newcastle Knights. Jaden Braley, third ACL. Uh, terrible time for him. He's looking set to miss the season now. Another ACL injury, Adam Dewey as well. Also his third. And just shattering for Tigers fans. I mean, yeah, Luke's upset, but Dewey's probably been one of your best this season. And to do another ACL is honestly, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking even if you're not a Tigers fan. Also on Tigers news, Brent Naden as well, broken collarbone. So he's set to have a long stint on the sideline. Also, yes, not you know in your in your same likes of Dewey and that, but still a massive loss. I mean, they're pretty happy they got the buy this week. Although I think the buy is favourite to win. So let's have a look at some more <laughs> some more injuries this week as well. There was head knock. Uh, Wade Egan again from the Warriors. This is a guy who keeps getting head knocks. He's had three this season already, so he'll miss eleven days as well. The other one was Tamari Martin from the Warriors as well. He had a really bad injury, oh. and yeah, he's set to not be back till round fifteen. And then the big oh, one. I hate saying that. Oh yeah, and the big especially one, especially after his brain thing and everything. That's just yeah, no one that hurts that he, one. He's worked so hard to come back to the game, and then yeah, now absolutely, he's yeah. At least it was his leg this time. Um, and then the big one we talked about before, Josh Adokar, set to miss eight weeks on the sideline. There was symptomosis injury, so not great there for injuries this week. Probably our biggest that we've had so far this season. Lots and lots of injuries. All right. Let's move on to our pickle bet bet of the week. And it comes to you from me this week. If you go on the pickle bet site or on their app, we've actually made the ruck infringement multi, which has been created. I came up with this myself. Storm to win by one to 12. Cameron Munster and Daily Cherry Evans, anytime try scorers. And that's paying $24.40. Not bad odds there. Think, is this a bet you really want to place for free and confidential support? Call 
858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. And that is our Pickle Bet Bet of the Week. Blokes Walk and Talk. They are about encouraging blokes to get out walking and talking with others across Australia and supporting females who may have someone in their life struggling. From hosting walks to keynote speaking at businesses or schools is where you'll find Craig from BWNT. Follow BWNT on Facebook and start the conversation with your mates today. All right, let's get on to our round seven preview. A good round coming up. I feel like it's easier in tipping, but we say that every week and then we still lose. So let's have a look at round seven. We start with tomorrow night, time of recording, Thursday night, Dolphins against the Bunnies here. Boys, not as quick as it seems. Dolphins price very differently there to the Rabbitohs. Oh, I want to say the Rabbitohs, but because Luke is at his girlfriend's house, we might have to jump on the Dolphins, I think. Reese, who are you going? Oh, <laughs> I am going for the Rabbitohs. I think just out of, out of spot, I kind of just want to go for the Finns just <laughs> to piss off Lukey's missus. Um, <laughs> but we're all going. Nah, so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go the Rabbits by eight. Yeah, very nice. Luke, who are you going in this game, mate? I have tipping my dipping my toes in both baskets. I'm in four tipping comps and I've gone two and two. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Very nice. Because uh, in the family one, obviously, I've gone the bunnies. Um, but, yeah, I'm just not – I think the Finns can – I definitely think the Finns can do this. Yeah. However – the Finns had a tough game last week and they like still pulled off a good win, a 12 point win or whatever. And, but the bunnies come out against a depleted dogs and in, and instead of, you know, just getting the win, they kept fighting, kept scoring, putting those points on. So I think, I think that um, the bunnies can definitely do it. However, I also think the Finns can do it. So I mean, both. It's, it's the Wayne Bennett effect. Bennett could yeah. like turn this game on its head and win this game for the Dolphins. So, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I'm going the Bunnies too. I'll go Bunnies in a tight one. Bunnies by six. Let's move on to our first Friday night game. Sharks coming off the bye against the Roosters, who need a win to bounce back from the Melbourne game. Who are you on, boys? Luke, we'll start with you. Sharks or the Chooks? Got the Chookies. Got the Chookies, mate. Oh, I think you were very embarrassed last week, and I think you're going to come back. Come back strong, even though it's a points bet. I, I, I think the Chookies can do it. Uh, stat today, just so you guys are aware, that the Sharks haven't beaten the Roosters at points bet since 2016. Then there you go. Yeah. I'm going to pretend like I knew that before I chose that. <laughs> <laughs> and Boxy, are you back in the Chooks, mate, or is it Sharkies for you? No, nah, back is once, that's it. Um, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going... I'm going the shark. He's at points where, and I like Wade Graham coming back this week too. So yeah, very nice. James, and, let's go back to said, the Roosters. Yeah, who's that? Um, Fuck his Yeah, uh, I just think. Uh, yeah, I think Hines has been in too good a form, and I just I think Wade Graham coming back is that extra voice as well. I just think they they're too they're gonna they're gonna finally break that hoodoo that you just mentioned, and I, I got sharks by two. Very nice. We won seven in a row against them as well recently, so another good stat there. It's the Roosters for me. I'm going to say Roosters by 10. All right, let's move on to our second Friday night game, Seagulls against Melbourne. Now, this used to be a clash that was always good. Manly gave it to Melbourne a few times, but as of late, it's been all Melbourne recently. I'm going to back the Storm in this game. I think Storm get it done. I don't think convincingly, though. I'm going to say 1-12. to We'll say Storm by... 
four. I reckon there's one trying it. I think Manly were embarrassed against Penrith last week and will look to bounce back. Boxy, who you got in this game? Yeah, I agree. I've got the Storm in this one, but I've got Storm by 10. And Lukey, who you got? I have got the Storm, but if the if Manly play Turbo again and he plays it exactly like he did last week, I've got the Storm by 50. <laughs> if they make the smart decision to rest him and put Garrick at fullback, I've got the Storm by 6. Also got uh, Cameron Munster at fullback this week for Melbourne too with Nick Meany out. He was the other injury, sorry. He's 11-day protocol, HIA. So yeah. Munster has never lost a game when playing at fullback as well. Yep, that's uh, that's exactly right. So Crazy if, if Turbo's playing and Manly make that mistake, Melbourne by 50. <laughs> All right, if they start, I'll, I'll <laughs> Melbourne by six. <laughs> Let's move on to our first Saturday game. It's the Warriors against the Cowboys, uh, quite evenly poised. Let's start with you, Luke. Warriors or Cowboys? Cowboys going to bounce back? Yep. They I'm are. back in the Cowboys. Yeah. I know they're, I know they're at smart, and I know the Warriors are very tough at home, but, you know, the Cowboys have had a, like an up-and-down season, and it's the games that you don't think they'll win that they do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've backed Boxy's boys. I like it. And Boxy, got to be the Cowboys for you, mate. Yeah, I don't like. I can't ever tip against me team. Yeah, I, I think as well. Nanai and uh, Tuolagi coming back will be a big boost yeah, for us. And you know, I, I don't like saying it, but we've had a crap start. We're due for a fucking tough win, and I think this is going to be that tough win, especially yeah. away from home. Like how they beat us at our home. I've got, I've got us boys by four. It's not a bad shout, boys. I, I'm still undecided in this game. Warriors, obviously, we know Tamari Martin. Dylan Walker gets the nod at 5'8", so he'll be starting 5'8 in this game. Now plays for Warriors, of course. Uh, Going to be an interesting one. At the moment, I've got the Warriors by two. But again, that Saturday, Arvo, that could easily change. We'll just see how many bevies are consumed. Let's move on to our second Saturday game. It's the Knights against the Panthers out there at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. Up the Knights. Uh, let's start with Boxy. Who's getting the win in this game, mate? Uh, we touched on it before with the Knights and whether they're going to be good or whether they're going to be crap. Um, I've got the I've got Penrith. I think Penrith have finally got their their mojo back. Yep. I'm going to say Penrith by ten. Very nice. Yeah, I'll and... stick with that. I'm going to lock that in. Yeah, nice. I like it. And Luke, what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, same with Boxy. I don't think it's going to be. Like the last two weeks where they've put on 50 and 40 points, as in that's the margin, I think that the Knights have some respect of themselves to not let that happen. I reckon Penrith, I still think they win comfortably. I reckon Penrith by 20. Look, I've got to back the Panthers after the past couple of weeks. Got to back them. Knights have been good. I just think Panthers will be too good. I'm going to say Panthers tight one, though. I am the same with Boxy. I think Panthers by about 10. Don't think they get it done by too much. Let's move on to our last Saturday game. It's the Titans against the Broncos. Another Queensland derby. Call them the Step Cousins. Uh, who are we going, boys? We'll start with you, Luke. Who you got in this game? Breezy Broncos, mate. I, I think after a six-point loss, they will realise what, like how badly they were embarrassed. Yeah. Especially, like, I'm not dissing the Raiders, but like you know, just based on the ladder last week. You know, at before that game, you got first, first, and fourteenth or something, and you know, first by a long shot, fourteenth by a long shot down here. I reckon they're going to come out and yeah, I reckon Brizzy by sixteen. 
Yeah, very nice. And Boxy? I've got the Broncos as well, but I think it'll be tighter. I think the Titans have actually been pretty consistent this year, so I've got Broncos by eight. Yeah, very nice. I've also taken Broncos by eight. I think it will be tight. I definitely think Broncos will want to redeem themselves from last week. Let's move on to our first Sunday Arvo game. It's the Raiders against the Dragons. This is a tough game to pick. This is one that could go either way. Both of these teams have been extremely inconsistent, but have still won tough games. So I've got the Raiders for now, but again, this could change. I don't really know. I'm going to say Raiders by one point. Let's say there's a field goal in this game. Boxy, I'll start with you. Who's getting the win? I agree. This is probably the. I found this the hardest one to tip. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. I'm going to go the Raiders only because Jack Wyden's back. I think he'll be the difference in the game, and I got drag. Uh, sorry, the Raiders by four. Yeah, I saw a stat today that they've won eleven of their past twelve at GIO against the Dragons as well. So good stat there for the Raiders. Luki, who are you backing? Yeah, just like Boxy said, I found it very hard to tip this game. I actually thought. The hardest game for me to tip this week was the Tigers versus the Bye. Um, <laughs> very hard to choose between those two. Yeah, we're all but uh, I've, <laughs> I've backed the Dragons in this one. I, I real again, you know, it, it's going to be very hard for them. They're both very inconsistent. However, I think Ben Hunt is going to be he's going to be on on this week, and I reckon he'll snag it up for them. I've got the Dragons by one. Very nice. All right, and our last game is. Sunday Arvo, 4.05, Eels against the Bulldogs at Combank Stadium there. Got to be the Eels to bounce back. I just think too many injuries for the Dogs. Adokari out, massive loss for them. I'm going Eels in a tight one. Eels. Yeah, I've got the Eels as well. So we're all on the Eels there in that game against the Doggies. All right, that's our round seven preview. I'll throw our tips up on socials uh, probably tonight or tomorrow time of recording. Wednesday or Thursday. Let's move on to Wild Fantasies now. I did quite well this week. Uh, 928, I think, I made in my NRL Fantasy. Uh, Quite a good week for me, which was really good. I had a few good performers. Obviously, Cleary is my captain. He made 100, so he got me 200. And then, yeah, some good performances. Payne Haas, obviously, and 80-odd as well. Jackson Ford was really good. I've done a few trades. We actually get three trades this week, which really helps. And I've jumped off Jermaine Hopgood. I just think with him moving to the bench, he's just a liability now. And I've actually brought in Ryan Madison. Now that he's starting, he's good mid-cover there. Gets you lots of points. Also sold Warbrick from the Storm. He's just losing cash now and not scoring well. And I've brought in Couchman. From the Dragons, who is really cheap and is edge and mid cover as well. And my last one was Jaden Braley, obviously gone for the season. And I've brought in uh, Sele from the Rabbitohs, who is really cheap as well and will give me a cash. So I have 526K now remaining, which will bring in Nico in the next few weeks. Uh, the only other player I want to touch on in fantasy was Sonny Luke. And the minutes he's getting now, he's starting to really become a great cheapy option for your team. Same in Supercoach as well. Not really much to talk about there. Let's move on to Reese's Pieces, our AFL segment. He's by himself this week, so I'll do my best to fill in where I can. Take it away, Reese. Well, g'day, everyone. Unfortunately, the uh, the better half isn't here again. Um, but, yeah, that's like every good relationship. So the round recap this week, I'll go for it really quick. Brisbane defeated Collingwood by 33 points up at the Gabba. That is a fortress up there for Brisbane, and they're just amazing when they play there. Yeah, Carlton defeated North Melbourne by twenty-three points. Adelaide, or Radelaide, 
defeat of Flag Mantle by 39 points, Oof. which is a good start for them heading into Gather Round. Obviously down in uh in Adelaide this week, which is the AFL version of Magic Round. So that should be very interesting. Okay. Um, my boys, my, my doggies, defeated Richmond by five points and, and arguably well, it'd be second best game of the round. And it's so good to see me boys coming back. It's about I, bloody time. That was the one game I did see, and I was very impressed by the doggies. Oh, mate. They they finally have got some balls back. It's good. <laughs> um, St. Kilda defeated Gold Coast by 53, which ended up – it cements St. Kilda at the top of the ladder, which is not what many people predicted, and good on them. Um, this one's a very contentious one. Port Adelaide defeated Sydney by two points at the G. Well, SCG, of course. The people who watched it and didn't watch it, Ollie Florin had the shot after the siren. Looked like it was going through, so everyone didn't pay attention, and the ball fell short, and Port LA read it better, and the Swans ended up losing. But the, Sw- <laughs> the Swans were actually celebrating before the ball even went through. So it's. Well, see, uh, I heard a stat during the week that apparently Port have had the wood over Sydney for a while now. They have. They won the last six times. Now. Seven times, six times, seven times, which is, is very good. And. and it's probably saved Ken English's job for another week or two. So that's a good thing for the Port fans out there. Um, Essendon defeated GWS by 13. Very inaccurate scoring by Essendon. I believe they were 11 goals, 22, which is, is pretty horrendous. To be honest, you should not be doing it at AFL level. That's just my opinion. Melbourne defeated West Coast by 63. There's nothing to touch on there. West Coast suck. They're absolutely useless. And Geelong defeated Hawthorne by 82 points on Easter Monday. The Hawks looked good very early. They had a very good first half, but then Geelong finally had a win. And although it is against a, a fellow bottom seller, they absolutely dismantled them. And it, yeah, it, it upsets me a bit because I don't really like Geelong. I can't see them. But you know, Sam Mitchell's built. Yeah, Sam Mitchell's building something there at Hawthorne. It's going to take time, and hopefully they can um. Hopefully they can start picking up a bit soon. But I've got four quick points. I just want to go through and yep. both you boys can jump in on this because we were speaking about concussions before. But I don't know if you know about Paddy McCartan. He's the uh, the Swans fella who has had ten concussions in his career. He had to medically retire three years ago. He actually worked his way back into the game, went overseas to go see neurosurgeons, brain surgeons, everything about head trauma. He actually got the all clear from every doctor possible. And unfortunately for him, he actually played on the weekend and it looked like a very, very minor incident. He's scrapping for the ball. He's come down. He's hit the side of his head on the ground. He's moved forward a little bit and he was out like a lot. So oh. he, he unfortunately for him, he, he had to get carried off the field and he was not in a good way. There is plenty of videos about it. You can look it up. But there's a lot of people sitting there saying that he should medically retire. And... I'm just going to throw my two cents out there. You guys can comment on whether you want to or not. To any single person that is going out there and saying that Paddy McCartney should never come back, you need to pull your head in. That guy did everything possible that he possibly could have to get the clearance to come back, and he worked his absolute ass off. I know people involved in the Swans programs. I know people involved with concussion stuff and all that. That guy had done more than anyone ever has in the history of the game, even... Probably the same level as what Boy Corner and Jake Friend did. He's yeah. at that level. The guy was a number one draft pick who actually had his career rubbed short. And now there's people sitting there saying, should he medically retire? Yes or no? 
my two cents is do not put this pressure on this young man just after having this concussion. Yeah. Mm. This guy is only 25, 26 years of age. Yeah, well. And now you're sitting there saying, you should just retire, man. You should just do this. You should do that. No, shut your flipping gob. Let him go through the processes. If it takes him a year to get through it, let him get through it. Let him take his time yeah. to get through this situation because, like, I've had minor concussions when I was young and I, I can get headaches all the time. This guy's done it when he's been a grown man. He's grown into his body. There's going to be lingering side effects for a long time. That's right. Please, for the love of God, don't rush the guy. Let him get through this in his own processes. Because, as you know, like with the boy corner and Jake Friend, like we touched on, they had to medically retire. Yeah. Paddy might have the chance to not medically retire. Do not force it on him. Mm. Because you're going to ruin the man's life. Let's take Caelan Ponger for an example, right? So... He got that head knock in one of the first two matches and hasn't played since. And I think you're exactly right. Like, give them the time. If they're not playing, they're not playing. You've got other players to fill a role. That's literally why you have a 30-man squad. You have other players to fill a role there. Give a young guy a go. Let these quality players get back to their best. And, yeah, like, they might be a bit shaken when they come back, but everyone would be. I, I think you're exactly right. I think it would be different if he had a family, if he was like older, let's say he was past mm. 30, right? And he had a family. Then you got to start thinking about, okay, what's best for my family? Would it be better for me to medically retire and not end up, you know, with possibly dementia down the line or something like that? Because I keep getting head knocks. I think at 25, give him every chance that he's got to get back into the game. It's, um, exactly right. it's, just, it's just like Will Pukowski in the cricket. Yeah. He's only 25. He's had 11 concussions and he wears a helmet. Yeah. He is in the exact same boat, and, but he's still he is still getting every treatment he possibly can. And I'm pretty sure he's still playing some shield cricket or something like that. Like, you know, just let let these players take the time. And you know what? If it turns out to be a big mistake, let them make it. That's right. Like, yeah. Let them and be I- the ones who make that mistake. Don't tell them you're making the mistake. Let them work it out for themselves. And I got the age wrong. He's 27, sorry. And, and unfortunately, in that exact same game, his brother, who he plays with at the Swan, had a concussion as well. So it's a very traumatic time for the McCartan family. So Most like, of these people every- making the statements are couch supporters anyway. These are people who have exactly never played right. the game. They're people who have never put their body on the line, never been out there, never run around. But they don't know. They're, they're just... Look, opinions are like armpits. Everyone has them and most of them stink. So... You know, at the end of the day, you just got to be like, you know what, mate? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're exactly right, as you said before. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, I've never personally met Paddy. I, I've never got the chance to play against him or anything like that. But I send him all, my, all the best. And, you know, yeah, take your time, sure. mate, because, you know, your, your health comes first. So do what you need to do, mate. Jeremy Cameron, I can't stand him, but that guy's now a top five player in the game. And... He's well on his way to win another Coleman and he could easily be a very big smoky for all Australian captain or something like that. The guy has been amazing this year. Um, just two more quick points. My doggies, it's about 10 time you've got your freaking balls back in your pants and you're actually winning a contest now. It's so good to see. Yeah, we lost Josh Dunkley and Lockie Hunter over the summer. But when Marcus Bonampelli, Jack McRae, Bailey Smith, all these guys are playing at the top level, that is one of the best one best midfields going around in the last 10 years. And if you don't freaking believe me, 
You can comment on this. You can do whatever, and we will argue about it on this podcast. I don't care. Lastly, nicely, Isaac Rankin. He um he moved from the Gold Coast to Adelaide this year. He is worth every single draft pick and penny that they forked out for him. That guy has actually reinvigorated that Adelaide Football Club forward line. They're getting crowds to games again. I think they're averaging about forty-seven thousand to a home game at the moment. And this is a team that's only just cracked the top eight for the first time in five years. So, kudos to you, mate. Again, unfortunately, the better half isn't here, but that's the end of Reese's Pieces this week. Enjoy my takes, and as always, enjoy the footy. We love it. Thank you, Reese, for that. Hopefully next week we'll have his a trusted sidekick back. You know, boys, it doesn't get much better than watching sport on a Sunday Arvo. However, sometimes you need a snack. And now, with Gibson's country-style jerky, your snack needs are complete. With a wide variety of flavours, including teriyaki, honey soy garlic, mild chilli and pepper steak, Gibson's has all your jerky needs covered. Get your jerky at gibsoncountrystylejerky.com or follow Gibson's Country Style Jerky on Facebook and Instagram. And now, if you use the code PODCAST, you'll get 10% off. Gibson's Country Style Jerky, for the snackaholic in you. All right, let's move on to our talking point segment. Something I wanted to add in, I didn't have it in our talking point segment in the notes, but was the captain's challenge. Now, there's been a bit of controversy lately with the captain's challenge and whether it's still viable in our game. When you watch it now, a lot of teams are using it as a time-wasting technique. A lot of teams know that they're not going to get the challenge, but their team will get a breather. We saw it in the Parramatta and Eels game, uh, the Parramatta and Tigers game, sorry, on Easter Monday. Parramatta used the challenge with five minutes to go that everyone knew was not, was going to be unsuccessful. Oh, 100%. And I I had a question about that too. And it was regarding the Tigers challenge. Yeah. We we definitely lost out. Like, we yeah. wasted ours. Yeah. Had we not reviewed our challenge, had we not, sorry, used our challenge, had we got to the end of the game where the ref blew his whistle for Gutherson, which wasn't even a tackle, mind you. It was a voluntary tackle and it should have been a penalty. Yeah, he just right. laid on the ground. But had we challenged that, would the ref that had allowed us to challenge that? I don't reckon. I reckon he would have just said. That's right. Game over. Know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they would have called Gutherson, Gutherson, Gutherson picked the ball up and he yeah. just dived on the floor. No one touched him. And Luke Brooks said that. Yeah. Luke Brooks actually walked up to the referee and said, no one's actually made a tackle here and you've blown time off. That is a penalty to us. What would have been and interesting is if someone had a one-on-one stripped it while he was laying there. Oh, he wouldn't have given it up because he went up to he went up to Kapoa after the game. Yeah, and gave, gave him a spray. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's been a tough one, uh, Boxy. I don't know what your take is on the captain's challenge, mate. I mean, I like it when teams use it su- successfully, but time wasting, I think, should be penalised. I agree. If you're time wasting and you deliberately know that you're not going to win it. Uh, it, it either becomes a penalty to the other team straight away, in my opinion, or yeah. if you repeatedly do it over, say, a couple of weeks, get a fine, get like a five yeah. grand fine on your club or something, because it's just it, it slows the game down to a point where you know it's just not exciting to watch. People don't want to tune in, and then you know, oh, you know, say power up by fucking four, yeah. And then, you know, you know that you're not going to win the challenge and then you use it. Like, why use it? Why do you have to use it? You don't yeah, have don't to use have it. To. Exactly. It's, it's there as an option if you genuinely believe that there is something wrong. If you genuinely believe, wait, use it. Yeah. But if you're just being time-wasting, you're just you're actually ruining the game. And if, they, if they start penalising teams for time-wasting, I guarantee teams will stop doing it. Players will stop using it. Absolutely. Because they know that. And yeah. 
And if we get to the extent that we've been this year, players will start getting sinned in. If they start doing captain's challenges, you just sin bin them. You just go, mate, like, you, you know it's deliberate time-wasting, you're gone, you know? I, they'll stop doing it after a while. I yeah. think the referees, and I think the NRL should broadcast it as well, yeah. because I have seen on multiple occasions this year, and I take it back to, I think it was the Warriors last week, and it was a knock-on call, and the warrior, the winger got up and said, I want to challenge that. Yeah. I, not once did I see on the television them the referee go to the captain and say, is that a challenge? I did not once hear the referee say, is that a, uh, to the captain? And I did not hear the captain say, is that a challenge? All you hear and see, I'm pretty sure it was the Warriors. I might be wrong, but the winger goes, I want a challenge. And the ref goes, all right, let's, let's challenge that. Yeah, I, right. We need to be, we need to be hundred percent certain that it's going through the captain. They're the ones who's making the challenge. Cause then if it is a case of time wasting, they're the ones that go to the bin, not also, the player. You also can't captain. trust wingers, mate. You can't trust wingers. Wingers don't know what they're talking about. They never think well, it was a it was a case of it, it was actually a successful challenge. The one I'm thinking of is successful. Oh, As I said, I'm not I'm not sure if it was the Warriors. I think it yeah. was. Yeah. But it's the winger who gets up and goes challenge, 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 and the referee's going, yeah, right, let's challenge that. Yeah. That's like it. no, yeah. I, the whole point of a captain challenge is the captain yeah. challenging it. I don't know for a fact whoever I was watching, it wasn't the captain calling for a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, you wouldn't want to make a winger captain anyway. They wouldn't put in the hard work. But let's move on to our next part of the talking points. And the last bit I had here was tipping woes. And now, boys, we just can't catch a break this year. I mean, what is going on? We're into round seven, and we just can't tip more than six out of eight. Oh, Boxy had that one week with seven out of eight. But what, what what's doing? Can anyone explain what is doing with our tips? How, how are teams not winning every week. They win one week, then they lose the next. Mate, we just, I don't know what it we, is. Last week, I tipped two in my friend's comp. <laughs> two. Two. Uh, no, yeah, no, that, I, I haven't seen that this year. I got I got two, I will tell you. Hang on. Who I tipped in round six? I had the Roosters. Yeah. Which lost. Uh, the Bunnies who won. I backed Queensland, not like the Cowboys who lost. Brisbane lost, Dragons lost, Warriors lost, and of course the Tigers lost. Oh. I got I got the Bunnies and Penrith. They were the that was the two games in that comp that I that I tipped right. Yeah. And the two games that ran away with it as well. I just... Exactly. Like the two floggings. Boxy, can you explain it to us? What's going on? I just think we stuck. Look. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you you think you're like, you you sit there all week and you're like, you know, I feel really good about this week. But yeah. Like, all this shit. How is this fun? Why do I do this every year? Do you know what? Then, me? If I if I lose the first one on a Thursday night, I'm done. I'm like, nah. If I lose first game, that's it. I'm like, fuck. Here goes my week. <laughs> yes. This... Well, I'm pretty lucky. I'm doing well in the AFL, but my, my league hasn't been too good. Like you said, I had that one good week. I think I ended up only getting four last week too. So yeah, it's just... I, I bagged four as well. But before the Tigers game, I was sitting third in our comp, just under DK and Reese. So I've moved down to six, but I'm still up there, which is good. So how many did you get in our comp, Wookie? Let's have a look, shall we? Oh, I'm currently sitting last. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk like, about that. Like dead set last. Let me. How do you I got go two. Oh, <laughs> well, you got two in that comp. Oh yeah, two here. Two. Yep, I got two. So he got two. 
Boxy got four. <laughs> number three, my lord. <laughs> That'll be this way. Oh, three. Pick number three, my lord. Oh. <laughs> number three. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we did not do well. You know who we need on this podcast? James. And then we might start getting eight from eight, you know? Honestly. Honestly. Oh, and I'm glad you brought it up, Joe, because now this is a disclaimer. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> we, don't listen to us. We suck. Yes, James, if you're listening. Sorry, I forgot to say it after round seven. We don't know what we're talking about. Don't listen to us. Uh, don't take our tips to heart. But yes, Joey, we're, all gonna, we're, we're all going to have a perfect week except for Boxy. So Boxy won't get a perfect week, but the rest of us will. So that's great. Uh, that's I it first, person, first person to get a perfect round and buy them a carton. All right. Well, that's it for our talking point segment. Now let's move on to some way too early origin chat. The first part I wanted to talk a little bit about was now that Ado Car is out, who is going to be our winger for New South Wales? Because... No doubt, even though Adokar wasn't there last year, I think he's been in good enough form to have made it back this year. Obviously, Toto will occupy one wing. His centres will most likely be Turbo and Latrell, barring injury. But who do we play on the wing? Now, I'll give you guys some options. The first one I want to mention is the incumbent, Daniel Tupo, who was there last year. Now, let's look at Tupo's record. Record try scorer, second in the club at the Roosters, right? Always scores a try. Seven foot fucking tall. <laughs> so if you put the ball in the air, he hardly drops the ball. And he's a premiership winger. He's a uh, he's a premiership winner. Premiership winger. He's a big game player. I don't think he would be lost there again. He's the first option. Let's look at our second option. Do we move Turbo to the wing and play someone like a Campbell Graham in your centres or a Jack White in the centres? The only issue I have with that is that Turbo's been our player of the series at centre for the past three series in a row. So I don't think you move Turbo from centre. You don't wreck a good thing. So in saying that, is our option to play Campbell Graham on the wing. Played on the wing for Australia, did a fine job, has been killing it at South Sydney, absolutely destroying it at the moment. Or the fourth one, and I don't know if he will now because I think no one's happy he's going to rugby union, but there's a lot of talk about Joseph Suwalihi playing on the wing. But I know Paul Crawley came out during the week and literally said, I wouldn't have him there. If he's not going to be playing in Australia in the next two years, why get picked for origin? But I think if you're basing it on form, then he wouldn't be lost there either. So let's discuss that. Who do we think could potentially be the winger? And again, it's way too early, but... Let's start with Boxy. Who? I mean, I know you're a Queensland supporter, but who did you like out of those four on the wing? I'll say this firstly. I don't think people should be freaking sitting there and saying that shit about Sua Lee. Yeah. The guy, like, it's it's two years down the track. Fuck me. Exactly. Like, let the guy play, for God's sake. Yeah. In my personal opinion, I reckon you put Campbell Graham there. I think he's too good to not be in the Origin Arena. And obviously, we spoke before about how Freddie has his favourites. So... Latrell and Turbo are going to be there. I don't think Turbo should go to the wing. Turbo, like you said, he's been, you know, your player of the series for the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Campbell Graham has, he's bought his time too. He's been in the camp nearly every year for the last two or three years, I think. He would not um, be lost in an origin jersey. He, he'd fit in and if, real well. If you're playing wing for Australia, even though obviously there was, obviously the international guys were choosing to play for their island countries, which I am personally a huge fan of. Yeah. He didn't look out of place at World Cup. He no. played a good series. Obviously, he was part of the World Cup winning team, so he knows what he's freaking doing. Yeah. Give him a go. Like, get, it's it. about time he, does, he gets it. 
And if you look at that Australian backline, like we had Turbo, we had Tedesco, we had Luttrell, and we had Graham. So he's played outside those boys anyway. And that's the New South Wales backline, barring Toto, who played for Samoa. But yeah, Luke, what's your take, mate? Mate, I, I'm i a big believer of... I, I really hate... I hate how Freddie puts people like Turbo and Luttrell... In the center, in those center pe- yeah. positions, because that is just a big kick in the gut to every center in the game. Yeah. They're saying, they're saying, oh, fullbacks are better than centers. Like you know, it's I, I don't like it. I think it's distasteful, um, and and it's a big kick in the gut to the people who play in that position to to then see someone who you know plays fullback all year to then go, well, that spot could have been mine, sort of thing. Yeah, I really don't like it. However, we all know Latrell and Turbo are going to be there. Right. So I'm actually going to throw one out there and see if you'll agree with me. Why don't they think of someone like Ruben Garrick and put him on Turbo's wing? Put him next to his player. He's, Garrick is New South Wales eligible. Yep. He's a winger. Yep. I, re- I reckon he could be a smoky for maybe a squad spot. Would would not be lost again in in the New South Wales jersey. It's definitely a great. He's shout. a goal kicker too, isn't he? He is. He is. I mean, we got plenty of those in the team. We got Cleary and Nine then. But yeah, I I based on his form last year. I mean, yeah, he did play fullback last year, but he's he's yeah. on the wing and he's yeah. doing really well. If he can stay like you know ninety five percent injury free, you know, he picks up a small one here or there. I would not be disappointed if he got a, a spot in the squad and then they did something where they put Turbo in centre and Garrick on his wing yeah. right there. Those two could really work well together. I mean, they work well together for Manly. And can I just throw out one more there? They could even have Ola Kawatu in second row. He's New South Wales eligible, eligible as well, and he's been playing really good footy and could be a smoky for origin. So if he was on the edge outside Turbo and Garrick, imagine that, the Manly left edge. That would be a deadly mm. combination. But again, it's way too early origin chat. Always good to get some in. Let's quickly chat about 5-8. Uh, Muay is the incumbent at the moment, but not in great form. Lots of talk that Nico will be in the team, whether he'll be as a 14 or a 6. I think Freddie may stick with Luai for the first game, but if he doesn't do well, I could see Nico taking that spot straight up at number 6. I could see him squatting straight into 5'8 alongside Cleary. And I think that's a deadly halves combination. Cleary and Hines. Hines could just roam. Hines could roam the field, throw a ball where he wants, put a kick where he wants, and it would be really deadly. The only probably other name I'd throw in there is Matt Burton, but I don't think Burton's been in that good of a form this season compared to like last year or the year before. So I don't know. It's going to be between Luai and... Uh, Hines, in my opinion, for 5'8". Don't know if you guys think any different there. No, I agree. I, I agree with that one. I think, yeah, like, obviously you want to go Luai and Cleary yeah. just because they work, like, their Panthers work together. But, yeah, if... I've seen if, Luai if like come out and said, like, Yeah, if Fitler like come out and said Hines was going to be the starting 5'8", yeah, it wouldn't bother me. Oh, that's it. Exactly. I don't think anyone would be upset. Boxy would be upset because Nico will put on a clinic against Queensland. All right, let's move <laughs> on. To, <laughs> let's, let's move on to our next part here. Now we've been doing our top fives, which has been great. We've done our top five fullbacks, top five wingers. This week we're going to do our top five centers. 
let's do current for now. We might do future uh, earlier, later on, like in the year. Uh, so let's do our top five centres of the game. Don't know if you boys wrote these down, but Boxy, have you got top five centres there, mate? Not in any order. I found this very hard, to be honest. It is hard. Um, I, I find centre is probably the hardest position to pick on because, you've again, it's like what uh, Luke said before. You've got a lot of centres that play fullback or fullbacks that play centres. So Yeah, um, I, I think... Uh, the first one I'll start with because he does play centre for your team is Joey Manu. I think Joey Manu has to be there. Sure. The guy, he's he just an absolute workhorse. He doesn't stop trying. He, he's just dangerous all over the field. Um, another guy who I actually think is very underrated is Remus Smith Yeah. from Melbourne. I think he's been very good this year. And even the last couple of years when he's been down at the Storm. Another guy I actually really like is Brad Parker. Mm. Um, Manly. I think he's, okay. he's just a strong defender. Really, really good footballer. And I can't really fault him for anything that he's done. Um, number four, I'll go to Crichton. Yep. Crichton's going to be there. The guy's just a, he's a star. And he's going to be fantastic for, for the Bulldogs next year when he goes there. The last one, of, I've been struggling a bit on it. I'm going to go Campbell Graham. Yeah. I think Campbell Graham, he's, he, yeah, he, you've got to put him there. He's, like you said, he's been an absolute star for me. Uh, sorry, South Sydney for a long time now, really. Yeah, they're, they're probably my five that stick out the most with an yeah. honourable mention to someone who's a bit underrated in Bradman Best. So. Yeah. No, no Valentine Holmes, mate? No, I, he's a better fullback. <laughs> Love it. All right, Lukey, who's your top five centres at the moment? In no particular order and just based off this year, I've yeah. got to go with the Dolphins' top scorer, Jermaine Asako. I think yeah, he's, he's up there um, nice. for the year. Obviously, not going all time. I've got Joey Manu in there. Yep. Even though he's done a bit of fullback work as well, I just think he's such a good ball player and like he's so versatile. Oh, you give him the ball and... I reckon 85% of the time he'll score. I've got Justin Olam. Oh, he's, nice. Yeah, that man, he is a brick wall. He reminds me, not because of his height, but just because of his sheer brute strength. He reminds me of the of the bear from Manly, David <laughs> Williams. Like, a different position, but just when he has that ball, and even defensively, like, that guy is a unit. He sprints out of the line and he smashes any bloke inside. Reminds me of um, the Sailor. Yeah, yeah. Like, just he's just so big. Yeah, I've got Isaac Tago from the Panthers. Nice. Uh, just because I think he's so young, yet he has stepped up to such an important role in such a big club. Panthers, like they've had so much success over the last two years, and I think he's just done really well for himself coming into that sort of like starting role. Now, uh, like he's only what twenty. 21 or something like that. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's young. That. And then um, I've also got uh, Talakai. He's been very quiet this year. I Like I have to say he's been very quiet, but I, and that one is based on potential. Like that one, that one, I'll, I'll, if I'm honest, that one's not on current performance. That is just what he can do. Yeah. Transitioned really well from second row to centre. We do see it a lot. Usually it goes the other way. Uh, actually started at Souths as a winger, winger and centre. Yeah. But, yeah, great shouts. My top five, I'm going to go real quick because we don't have long left. 
obviously, Joey Manu's got to be up there. Campbell Graham, as we spoke on before. For me, one that wasn't mentioned is Herbie Farnsworth from the Broncos. Uh, just a real good player. Always good for a try. And, yeah, just gets it done. I, he's got to be up there for me. Uh, another one that I had as well was Valentine Holmes. Uh, even though I think he's a better fullback, I think he's had a really good season in a team that hasn't been performing at their best. I think he's probably been one of the best for the Cowboys so far this year. That's four. And then to finish off, I got to have Stephen Crichton as well. I think he's just been really good form heading into his season with the doggies next year, really living up to that potential. All right. And we're going to finish off today with most underrated players in sport. We're all going to pick a player who should have made it, but didn't either due to injury or team above was too good. Example cricket, you know, we look at the B side of Australian cricket who had so many good players but couldn't make the A side because of the likes of Hayden and Gilchrist and all that. So let's go through it. Mookie, insane cricket. We'll start with you, mate. Who's your most underrated player in sport? Oh, that's a good shout. Um, at the moment, I actually have to say Marcus Harris for the cricket. Like, if I'm going to go yeah. cricket. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He, he has had his first grade. He's had his chances. Yeah. And he did not perform as well. He had a couple of good blows, but I just, yeah, I just think that he he probably had his chances in some rough times for Australian cricket. Yeah. Um, and it was quite difficult to obviously play. I, I reckon, you know, get get that man another crack at um even just like you know as in the squads. I I really liked him sort of thing. So I reckon Marcus yeah. Harris. I like it, mate. I like it. And Reese, do you have a most underrated player in sport, mate? Yeah, I've got one. He he actually, funnily enough, used to be my next door neighbour when I lived in Wangara. Jake Mamo, who used to play for Newcastle. He he obviously went through the night system. He was touted all along that he was gonna be the next big thing. Unfortunately a few things happened. He didn't have the greatest start to his NRL career and he obviously went over to Super League, but you know, he, he ended up playing like a hundred something games in the Super League, won a title. I and mean, unfortunately for him he just couldn't get a crack back in the NRL. Um and he's like knowing him personally, he's such a good bloke and he works so bloody hard and it's a shame not being able to see him go any further. But yeah, he's mine. Yeah, and he definitely listens and we'll get him on the pod soon. So, uh, no, great shout there, Reese. For me, i got a few. If I'm talking cricket, I want to talk Stuart Clark. He's a player who didn't make the test team too often for Australia because it was so good at the time. You look at the bowlers they had in McGrath, War, Brettley, you know, all, all of those players at that time. And you had this B side who were just as good. You had Stuart Clark, Stuart McGill, who, you know, was the second best spinner after Warney. He had all these players that could crack teams. Stuart Clark's one for me. Even Nathan Bracken, I thought, such a good bowler and just couldn't get a crack because the team was so good. If we're talking rugby league, Mitch Orbison from the Roosters. Mitchie Orbison, Mr. Fixit, was absolutely underrated. Played over 300 games, never played for Australia, never played for New South Wales, would not have been lost in either of those jerseys. And filled out every position for the Roosters. Every time he played, if they needed a hooker, he'd play hooker. If they needed a 580, he'd play 5'8". Actually, was named... He had the number seven on his back in the 2018 grand final when Cooper Cronk injured himself. Um, ended up playing second row because Cronk played. But can fill out anywhere. The other one I had is still playing today, and we mentioned him before, Jared Croker. Jared Croker, again, would not be lost in an Origin jersey or an Australian jersey. Has seven games to go before he gets to 300 games. Just a gun player who has never been given an opportunity. 
And I don't understand some of these players that have gone on so long in the game and have not been given opportunities when they're so, so underrated. Um, but, yeah, they're a couple for me for rugby league and cricket. Great shout there, boys. That's all we have time for today on the Ruck Infringement Podcast. There was no viewer questions. Don't forget, you can get those in when the post drops on our socials. I'd like to thank our sponsors in Gibson's Country Style Jerky and Blokes Walk and Talk. Obviously, I'd like to thank our guests in Luke and Boxy. Thank you for jumping on this week, boys. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for being the bread that we survive off. And thank you for listening and tuning in. Also, I'd like to thank Picklebet as well for their support. Until next time, that's Luke. That's Boxy. I'm Joey. Remember, stay puffed.